Hi, this is Wilson with Renew Church OC. We're wrapping up 2020 and looking forward to 2021. In this two-part series, we learn how to reflect backward and see the ways that God uses even the hardest years in order to deepen us, and also how to time travel with Jesus forward into 2021, believing that He already has good plans for us and we're just there to discover them. I hope this two-part series helps you cross from the old year into the new one with hope and depth in reflection. Welcome back, everyone. Again, I I think we just have a lot to choose from. Um, It feels like a slugfest. And I think we got blindsided over and over again. When I look at Times Magazine, it just has this cancel sign for 2020. And then under it says the worst year ever. And I feel that. I feel like we all feel that as we look at our birthdays being canceled, um, our Christmases, our New Year parties, our Thanksgiving being canceled. And so many things have just kind of been stripped from us this year, whether financially or our mental health, our physical health, our social life, being quarantined, our jobs. It's just been an intense year and to recap um the first slide is just kind of speaking to COVID-19 defining our year whether it's empty shelves fights over toilet paper remember that visiting grandparents through glass or seeing a quarter million Americans pass away it's been horrific and even uh people from our church have lost um a grandparent my my wife's colleagues have lost friends and family and um, we're just kind of sobered by the amount of loss and and sickness that we've experienced and then we think about George Floyd and the racial tensions that has erupted in this year more than any other we've seen peaceful protests we've seen rioting we've seen police villainized we've seen so many uh, black people be harassed um, or or victimized by the pr- police and just divisions on all sides. It's come. It's helped us have hard conversations, but it's also brought a lot of divisiveness as well. And I remember just being so emotionally exhausted, um, seeing video after video. Uh, participating in our own protests um, with Black Lives Matter. As I, as my son, even the last couple of days, you know, we wrote a sign for him that says, Black people are my friends. And he still remembers that and says that. Um, but then we've seen like really violent expressions as well that um, we, we don't condone. But that was just a huge part of our year. And then the Biden and Trump election that's still, you know, a controversy and has really divided, again, families, again, churches, again, communities, as people are at each other's throats over this election process. Even in my own family, uh, me and close family members have very differing views on our political stances and have learned how to communicate, have learned how to not communicate, and it's just been a tough year for us um, as a nation in that way. Maybe the most taxing, one of the most taxing 
point of 2020 has been uh, QAnon and what that represents in terms of misinformation. And when I think about conversations I've had over uh, politics, over COVID, over racial, the racial um, injustice and, and tension, I think misinformation has been interlaced into all of them, right? The distrust of journalism and media, seeing the narratives they're trying to portray. But for me personally, it's like I'm having such a hard time engaging in intellectual conversation with people who don't agree with me because we're getting truth from completely different sources. And I don't know how to bridge that gap, right? I don't know how to tell them that, you know, it's bad journalism or them telling me not to trust uh, my news source. And that's been exhausting for me as um, I've been trying to have conversations with people. But, you know, I do celebrate Renew in the midst of all this. And not that it wasn't tiring, but when I think about our church, I think about the resilience that we've showed this year. I think about Rocky Balboa getting up over and over again, right? That was his hallmark. It wasn't that he was the biggest guy or the best puncher or the most skilled uh, boxer, but that he would get knocked down and get back up. And when I look at Renew and kind of recap our year, I think about Renew as resilient. And I think that's maybe one of the greatest growth points that I've seen from our church. Because in 2019, in 2018, I would say that we were really unresilient, that we weren't able to work past, um, you know, even small things at our church. But this year, I've seen our resilience grow, and I've seen our church get back up over and over again. You know, when we saw COVID-19 hit and everyone was in isolation, our, our church came together for daily devotionals, and we're still doing it. Every day, experiencing community as we sit under God's word. I've seen our small groups blossom, especially the first uh, few months of COVID as people clung together and walked through the hardest points of, of uh, quarantine together. I think about how we responded in our Sunday service from our hostage video of me playing guitar to the laptop to having full-on green screen productions and then drive-in watch parties where we're where it's beautiful. I mean, we're doing shortwave radio and we have these massive screens on the building. If you came to our drive-ins, I hope you were impressed by the resilience and the innovation of our little church. I was, I'm so proud of how far we've come in response to COVID, the way that we've continued to fellowship, the way that we've continued to uh, give um, content in our Sunday service through just an amazing sound and tech team. And then I've seen our resilience in the way we've responded uh, in the racial conversation through our racial reconciliation series. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Eric Archer, Tiki, and myself being able to share the heart of our church for racial reconciliation and speak into our culture. And we're still finding our voice. We didn't do it perfectly, but I'm proud that we were willing to uh, respond and and respond in a way that was true to scripture and was really heartfelt and and not shy away from difficult conversations. I think about that in our sexual addiction 
um, series. We did three weeks on that as we went into James. And then we saw 40 people, 20 men, 20 women come into our workshops for about 12 weeks with uh, Roy Kim guiding us as a therapist and setting up 10 accountability groups out of that. And again, another response as people are isolating and withdrawing, we delve into each other's most uh, difficult and private struggles. And as a church, I, I just believe that we're closer because we shared our wounds with one another. And lastly, I've seen us respond through outreach. We were able to give generously over this year. Uh, we were able to give thousands of dollars away to OC United, to, um, Zoe, uh, to uh, Sam's family, as well as Neri's family for funeral services, to other families who are struggling. We, we gave above and beyond our Beloveland's Fund because our community continued to give generously to the church, which allowed us to be generous to the people around us. We did care packages a few times this year for the homeless. Uh, we were able to continue our special needs ministry through the leadership of Danielle and her team, uh, baking cookies with people who have special needs and um, doing dance parties. We were able to assist a church that have uh, gone through just really large trauma with the pastoral transition. We took an A-Life for three months as they sheltered with us and we were able to provide worship and teaching to another church, also pastoral care. And now they're going to be merging with Renew. So I'm really excited to see maybe 20 plus uh, people, families and young adults join our church uh, through A-Life and us be able to extend family to them. And lastly, Call to Be Project, uh, a nonprofit that a team at Renew started to produce children's books and, and journals, adulting journals, has reached over a thousand people. And we really believe that God's put this team together in order to deliver, I would say, Renew content way beyond our church. And so I've seen the resilience of Renew. I've seen us kind of get back and respond over and over again this year. We've covered so much ground, but I don't think we, we just went wide. We went extremely deep as well as a community. So in the face of a really difficult year, I just want you to know that I'm just so proud of us as a community. I'm so proud of our leadership team and the unity that we've, um, that we've exemplified through really difficult decisions. I'm proud of our staff and leaders and the way that they've continued to be positive and hopeful and innovative. And I'm so proud of our community, the way that we've hung together, you know, through some really hard online services where things break down and you're like waiting three hours to do Sunday service. I'm so proud of the way that we've kept 1030 as our time to be together as a church, to worship, to hear God's word and to fellowship. Because so many churches that around us, I've talked to like dozens of pastors who've felt like their congregation has just kind of scattered into the wind. They don't know who's watching their service, who's with them on Sundays. And, and Renew has, again, been resilient in all of those ways. But in our resiliency, it doesn't mean that we're not tired. It doesn't mean that we're not weary. You know, I think again about Rocky Balboa. He gets up, he finishes the fight, but you see him kind of laying at his corner 
after um, the whole round. Even after the win, he's beaten up, right? His body is tarnished. His face is bruised. And he just wants to go to sleep, right? Um, and even as well as we've done as a church, I think all of us has felt the fatigue of 2020. We are tired. We need rest. And, and we need to know how to kind of take deep breaths and, and be able to continue on. And when I think about our weariness, I think about how Israel was tired in Jesus' day. They were tired politically as they were under the governance of Rome. And they were fractured as people were zealots um, trying to do uprising and revolts against the empire. Whereas others wanted to be Roman citizens. And some of their, even their religious leaders like the Sadducees and the, um, the priests were kind of on the side of Rome. And then we see them tired financially because of the taxation of Rome. But not only did Rome tax them, their own tax collectors through the Jewish people were taking way above and beyond the normal taxation, having these heavy burdens on the Jewish citizens. And lastly, spiritually, there was a huge weariness in Israel as they were lost to what God had for them. God was silent for hundreds of years. There was not a prophet to hear from. And all these had was these really burdensome laws to keep. And, and the religion became extremely legalistic. They were always looking over their shoulder because they were afraid of breaking a law and a Pharisee kind of pointing their finger at them. So Israel was tired. And in the midst of their tiredness, I would say in the midst of our tiredness, Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, gives such gentle and kind words, I think, to our community and to the Jewish uh, one that he was speaking to. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that. Can we read it one more time and just kind of soak in the words of the Lord and hear Him speak this to you, right? Hear Him speak this over you, over your year, over all the ways that you felt like you were absorbing the blows of, of 2020. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Isn't that all of us? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this first invitation that Jesus says. He says to rest by coming to me. This invitation to go to Jesus with our weariness, with our tiredness. And I wonder if we've taken on this invitation. I wonder if we've come to Jesus with our tiredness. I see so many people tired. I see so many people just heavy and, and weighted down by this year. And Jesus is saying, come to me 
with your weariness. Let me carry it for you. Let me be what stabilizes you. Because in a year where everything has been stripped away, you know, all of us are asking, what can we depend on? What is really stable in our life? When, when our health can be taken by just breathing. When our friends feel scattered because we can't see them. When our finances um, and our jobs are, are in question. Jesus is saying, find rest in me. And I think what's comforting about finding rest in Jesus is that Jesus is the only thing that 2020 can't take away. You know, I think we've realized that if we're building our life on anything else, we can lose it in one year, right? We can lose it in one breath. If it's our health, our social life, our finances, all of those things can be stripped. But I think rest comes with with Jesus because Jesus is the thing that is stable and constant and secure. That if we stand on Christ, we can continue to build our life. But if, if our life is resting on anything else, it's probably been unhinged this year. When I think about this invitation of coming to Jesus, I think about Liam. Kind of, um, you know, in the middle of the night, he, he always crawls into my bed. Sometimes it's 4 a.m., sometimes it's 12, sometimes it's after a nightmare, right? But he just kind of cuddles in next to me, and he sleeps right here on my shoulder, and he just rests there. He just falls asleep, and he, he knows that I'm going to keep him safe, that he's secure in me, that he's warm with me, that I'm not going to go away. And I just imagine all of us resting in Jesus like that. We can go to sleep. We can close our eyes. We can relax. Because He's the one thing that isn't going to leave. He's the one thing that isn't going to be taken away. He's the one thing that doesn't disappear. If you've always found rest in Jesus... Then you, have, then you have been able to rest in Him this year as well. But if you've built your life on anything else, 2020 is when you know that Jesus wasn't what you found peace and rest in. Because your anxiety is through the roof. Because your foundations are being ripped away. Because you feel like you're just kind of tossed into the wind with no parachute. But for those of us who have always rested in Christ, we get to rest in Him again when things, are, when things are being stripped from us. You know, I also think about how being with Jesus, this coming to Him, is an invitation to be satisfied in Him. And, and we as Christians have to ask, in the face of all these things being stripped away, is Jesus really enough? I think that's the gift of a hard year. That's the gift of things being taken from us. Is this gift of truth of whether Jesus is really enough for us or whether we're we're really building our life and clinging onto all these things. I think the purity of our relationship with the Lord um, can be seen in a year like this. What is Jesus enough? Is being with Jesus and coming to Him enough for us?
And that's his invitation to come to him. The second invitation is to rest by learning from me. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We find rest when we learn from Jesus. You know, I think about so many different religions and how all of them um, is either God being God ascended in heaven, kind of static there, or a man becoming God in this exaltation. But only in the Christian faith does God, who was always present in eternity, become man. This humiliation of God, this humbling of God, becoming human. And not only human in a way of ruling and observing, but human in the way of suffering. This um, pastor writes, Jesus of the Scars, uh, Edward, and he was a pastor through World War II and, and saw the horrors of that war as he fought in trenches. And he made sense of his trauma through seeing Jesus. He says at the end of his poem, The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds only, God's wound can speak. And not a God hath wounds, but thou alone. But to our wounds only, God's wound can speak. And not a God has wound, but thou alone. You know, Jesus offers us rest through his wounds. Do, do you have wounds from 2020? There's only one God who's been wounded with you, says Tim Keller. You know, all these other religions have gods who are unwounded, but Jesus suffers and have wounds too. And it's only through our wounds that we can appreciate the wounds of Jesus. Yes, Jesus empathizes with our pain and hurt, but really he's suffered greater pain and hurt than we have. And so our wounds actually allow us to appreciate the greater wounds of Jesus. And when we see him go through suffering, only then do we have the power to deal with our own. When we see Jesus walk through this life, even as a baby, right, being born into a poorer family, into a, a manger, right, wrapped in swaddling clothes, I mean, Jesus was born the way Dave uh, described it. it. will always change how I see nativities from now on. Jesus was this lamb of God being prepared. Right? I'll see the nativity through the eyes of a shepherd for the rest of my life because of Pastor Dave and how he explained that passage. He was brought into the world as a lamb, as the unblemished lamb of God. He then goes into Egypt as a refugee, escaping a, the genocide of his city. And then he grows up um, being made fun of, his, his think, people thinking his mom had him out of wedlock. He loses his dad as a, at a young age. And then he walks through this ministry with death threats, betrayed by his disciples, his um, pe people walking away from him, more than walking towards him oftentimes and then dying on a cross. 
<clears throat> and as we see Jesus go through his pain, it gives us purpose and empowers us to engage with our wounds. But it also gives us intimacy with him. Right? Isn't it the wounds that we suffer that bring us together? That allows us to know each other. That allows us to see each other. Jesus' Jesus's wounds offers us intimacy. So when we're resting in Jesus because we see the humility and gentleness that he, and the grace that he moves through this earth with, through his suffering with, and we learn how to do that as well. And lastly, we rest by taking on his yoke. He says, take my yoke in 29, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, the main illustration and, and, and um, who he's speaking to is this heavy yoke that the Pharisees have put on the, on the people of uh, Israel. That they're their whole religion became extremely legalistic. They didn't see the grace and mercy interlaced into the Old Testament laws. All they saw was rules to follow, and it became crushing to them. It, it became about performance. It became about producing. It became about work, this, this, this Judaism. But Jesus says, my yoke is different. I'm going to lift all of these laws off of you. I'm going to fulfill them. And then in, in me, right, when we talk about being in Christ, our yoke goes from legalism to relationship. It goes from carrying the law to being carried by Jesus. Do you see this great rest that comes from a Christian faith built on relationship? If, if, if the Christian faith for you is doing all these things right, then it's probably burdensome. When you think about Christianity, it's probably about rules and regulations. And a lot of non-Christians and Christians think of the Christian faith that way, right? It's about all these things you're supposed to do or not supposed to do. It, it's, it's tiring. But, but we're doing it wrong if we're doing it in a way that's heavy. We're doing it wrong if we're doing it in a way that's weary and burdensome. Jesus says that the Christian faith is light and easy because it's relational. You know, I've talked to lots of couples. Um, we probably, I think we have almost 10 couples who met at Renew and got either engaged or married. We're right around 10 which is like 20 individuals meeting the love of their life at our church. The biggest like Yelp plug I, should, I can give to Renew. And I've, I've done another dozen uh, plus weddings outside of that, right? And kind of through this whole dating and engagement journey, the greatest question that is asked is, am I supposed to spend the rest of my life with this person? Like, is, is he the one or is she the one? And I remember talking to... Uh, one brother really intimately about this. Um, he's, he was unsure. They've dated a long time. Um, there's this checklist that he has that she checks off, you know, almost all of them. But he still was uncertain. And I said, hey, would you just put down your checklist? 
Because if finding the right man or woman is about this list of pros and cons, which is helpful, but limited, right? It's limited because if you say, I want someone smart, well, whoever you find, there's going to be someone smarter than him. If you want someone with a great personality that makes you laugh, you're going to find another person who makes you laugh louder. If you find a person who's attractive, well, there's always someone more attractive. But I told him, what if you just spend this couple months letting go of your lists, letting go of your conditions, and just asking yourself, do you love her soul? Because there's only one soul that she embodies. And you'll never find her soul in another person. Do you just love being with her? And do you just love being with him? Do you love who they are? And when you're with them, is there a sense of ease and, and relaxation and peace? And like, I just want to be with you. Like, I just enjoy your presence. I just enjoy you. I love who you are. If you, if you love who that person is, then you should marry them. If you can't, if you, if you can't get enough of them, then be with them forever. Right? Now, I've, I've coined the, the term couch time. Couch time is just sitting on the couch with that person for hours and hours and hours. For months and, and months and saying, do I just love being on the couch with this person? And be in conversation. And just like being next to them. Being with their soul. When you're with someone enough, like what they've done what they've accomplished, their accolades, whether they're a doctor or, or wealthy or, or popular, all of that starts to fade away, right? It doesn't even matter anymore. You don't even see those things. Um, it's just about being with them and, and whether you, you love that. And, and really, that's the whole Christian faith as well. You're a Christian. You should be a Christian just because you love being with Jesus. Not because of what he can give you, not because of the morals that you ha that you look up to. You just love him, and you love being loved by him. You love being face to face with him, soul to soul with him, without asking for anything, without doing anything, and and you know that the greatest ministry that you have on earth isn't preaching or being a missionary or a great businessman who's generous or a doctor who heals. Your greatest ministry is to just sit with Jesus and be in his presence. The ministry of presence. When you can do that with the Lord well, it allows you to give that greatest gift to others too. The presence of your presence to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors. Who you are is your greatest gift. And that's the yoke that Jesus says we get to have. The simple, the simplicity of being with Christ. And we get rest and ease there. I, I wonder if that's what you experienced in 2020. Because if I've said one message over the last 12 months most consistently it's this right it's are you, are you with jesus this year 
It's this invitation to sit with Jesus and to be, have that be the core of what it means to be Christian. You know, when we see Him, we become like Him. That's what Paul says. When we see Him, we become like Him. Are you allowing yourself to sit and see Jesus and rest there? And find rest in His presence, in His arms, with Him. You know, of all the things that we've done this year as a church, doing this amazing service, <laughs> um, doing our drive-ins, doing our addiction seminar, doing racial reconciliation, doing all of our outreach, I think the most significant thing we've done beyond all of those things that I, I love and celebrate is our day-by-day -day devotionals. Is, it, is this invitation into um, each other's time with the Lord. And I continue to invite you into that. Maybe your New Year's resolution for 2020 is to just be with the Lord every day. Well, do it with us. At 9 o'clock, there's a Zoom link on the description. Just click on it. Password is 12345, right? And just learn how to sit with Jesus and hear his voice in community. Some of you have integrated this into your personal life. And it's just in rhythm, right? A few times a day, in rhythm, you are thinking about the Lord. You are inviting his presence in. You are seeing his face and enjoying who he is. And for others of you, you're lost in that. You don't know what it means to be with the Lord. You don't even know what it means to really be with yourself outside of Netflix and your phone, right? If that's you, if you're wrestling, if you're struggling, if, if you're trying to figure out what it's like and how to do this whole like relationship with God thing, soul to soul with Jesus thing, that's, that's who I'm inviting to do it with me, right? At 9 a.m., <laughs> Monday through Friday, um, with Pastor Chrissy, with, with Joey, with Vivian, with Rebecca, with Kim and, and Daniel, uh, with Shana. We love, we love this, this being with Jesus thing has enriched this year. I mean, it's, it's the thing that has kept me sane. It was, it's been for me. Um, I feel richer out of 2020 because I learned that one thing. Like 2020 being a brick wall for me, slowing me down, not doing the ministry that I wanted to do, uh, being at home a lot. <laughs> it's been so hard, but it's taught me to be with Jesus. And I hope that you would find rest in Jesus because you are with Him. Father, we just come to you this morning and we think about what a crazy year we've had. It's been insane. But Lord, I just think about those of us who have learned to see through all the traumas of this year and to just stare into your eyes 
to be with you on the couch, to rest in your presence. Um, and I pray, Lord, that as a church we would have done that and that we would learn to do it uh, for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.